Go ahead, give Jesus the glory. <laughs> oh, how wonderful he is. Amen. Um, when Pastor Aaron um, chose me to, um, to bring the message, um, he didn't give me a, a topic to speak about. And, um, but he told me uh, that he wanted, to, um, he wanted me to speak about um, some of the hard things that, um, that I went through in life that, that God brought me through. And he just wanted me to, um, to give you a scripture and lay a foundation of what my testimony is about. Um, <coughs> so this morning, um, I'll go ahead and I want to talk about that hard road. That hard road, I mean, uh, there's many challenges for me before I became a Christian and after I became a Christian. And um, the one thing that really consumed me um, was sexual lust, sexual immorality. It, um, it destroyed my life. It destroyed my life before I was a Christian. And it, um, it messed me up when I became a Christian. I lived with the fear every day of knowing that um, I couldn't get out of it. Uh, I was in bondage to it. Um, with every compulsive behavior that you could probably ever imagine. And that need to satisfy and to gratify that sin or that sin nature that was in me. And uh, here I go, I'm getting away from my notes. I'm not a teacher. I'm a preacher. That's my gift. So if it doesn't come out like your bulletin does, you got homework. <laughs> because I need to be sensitive to the Holy Spirit's leading. So <clears throat> look at the scriptures, Galatians 5, 19 to 21 when you can. Look at Galatians 5.24 when you can. And I'll go, I'll try to touch on it, but I don't feel like the Lord is leading me that way. I feel like the Lord is leading me through my testimony right now. And we'll go ahead and join all that up in the end. But like I said... Um, those are the things, uh, sexual immorality is what really consumed me. And um, because of that sin, because of that bondage, um, I hurt a lot of people in my life. I destroyed my family. I destroyed my home. I caused p grief and pain to my children and to my parents. And uh, I betrayed the trust of many people that um, was good to me.
And I, I lived this way for almost 30-something years, over 30-something years. And I'm going to explain to you today the reason I had this struggle. And the reason that we have these struggles is plain and simple. It's sin. It's the sin nature. It's something that we have inherited, something that we are born with. It's something that is genetically passed over through us through the bloodline. These are the, the sins or the curse of sin that has fallen upon human nature. And in Galatians 5, 19 and 21, it, it talks about It says, when you, when you follow the desires of your sinful nature, the, re the results are very clear. Sexual immorality, impurity, lustful pleasures, idolatry, sorcery, hostility, quarreling, jealousy, outbursts of anger, selfish ambition, Dissension, division, envy, drunkenness, wild parties, and other sins like these. And let me tell you again, as I have before, that anyone living that sort of life will not inherit the kingdom of God. So we see that the sinful nature or the na the nat uh, that sinful nature produces deeds or evil desires and that sinful that deeds and evil desires are sexual immorality impurity hostility lustful pleasure idolatry sorcery and it goes on that's the nature that we were all born with that's the nature that we all inherited from the first Adam. And these desires keep us in bondage, keeps us in slavery, keeps us in a life of sin, separated from God. And we cannot enjoy the presence of God and the abundant life that God gives us if we live according to this sinful nature. Let me share with you how this sinful nature is connected to the law. Okay? Let me explain to you how this evil desires are connected to the commandments. When Moses stood on Mount Sinai, before Mount Sinai with the people, The Bible says that God came down and God started speaking with them. And after God, and what God was doing was this. He was communing 
and he was fellowshipping with them. He was drawing close to a people that he loved and that he delivered out from slavery. And he wanted to talk to them. He wanted them to get to know his nature and who he was. But when the people heard the voice, they told Moses, Moses, we don't want to hear him. We don't want to hear what God is saying. We don't want to fellowship with him. We don't want to commune with him. We don't want to get hit. We don't want to get to know him any more than what we just what just happened. So that was the people's response. Now this was God's response. God's response was, if you don't want a fellowship, if you don't want to be drawn into my love, into my glory and presence, and if you don't want to be changed by that glory and that presence, then here is a set of rules and regulations that you have to follow and you have to keep. Because I'm not going to accept you like I would accept my son. I won't accept you I only can accept you through grace that I offer you. I can, I can only accept you as a son and declare you righteous only through this relationship that I want to establish with you. There is no other way that you can come close to me. There is no other way that you can make yourself acceptable or be accepted by me. So God says... Okay, you don't want to come into fellowship. You don't want to come into sonship. You don't want to come under my grace and my love and my mercy. Then here, this is a tablet of stone, and on it is my commandments. You got to keep every one of it. Every single one of it you must keep in order for me to love you, in order for me to accept you, and in order for me to declare you as my one and only. And you know what the response to that was, right? Not many hours after that, Moses goes up to the mountain. What happens at the bottom of the mountain? They begin to make a calf out of gold, and they begin to worship this calf. And the Bible says that they started to indulge in lustful pleasures, wild parties at the bottom of this mountain. So I want to declare to you this morning that the law is good. That the law was made exactly what it was made for. And that is one purpose only. To show us that we were sinners. 
And the law and the prophet testifies that the end of righteousness, the, the, the end of righteousness in the law is Jesus Christ. It's not a set of rules or regulations. Because a set of rules or regulations we can never keep. In fact, that set of rules and regulations, those commandments and the law, begin to stir up the old nature and the lustful pleasures that were in the people of Israel. Because at the bottom of the mountain, they started, like, they started to worship idols. They started committing fornication. They started indulging and reveling in wild parties. So we see that the law is good. But we also see that the law stirs up this carnal desires and this passions and this works and deeds of this sinful nature. So like Paul said, whenever I wanted to do good... I always did what was bad. Whenever I tried to do what is right, I always did what was wrong. And he concluded that it wasn't the law. It, wa it, wa it, wasn't, it, wasn't, um, it wasn't him, but it was the evil desires and the deeds and works of that old sinful nature that was aroused by trying to keep those laws. So in Romans 7, 5, and 6, it says that the law of commandments aroused the old and sinful nature, and it produced a harvest of sinful deeds or works of the flesh, right? And that's what we just read. That's what the law does. And at the same time, in my life, when I began to see these works, when I began to see these deeds, when I began to see this sinful nature rise up and take hold of me and destroy my life, I told myself, how am I ever going to get out of this? How am I ever going to be free? See, at that time, I didn't know about the sinful nature. I didn't know about the works and the deeds and the desires that this sinful nature produced. And I was struggling with it really, really bad. And Paul says the same thing. He said, who shall save me from this sinful nature or the body of this death? And he goes on to say, I thank God that the answer is Jesus. Amen. The answer is Jesus. The Bible says in Galatians 5.24, Those 
who belong to Christ Jesus have nailed the passions, the desires of the sinful nature to his cross and has crucified them there. Through his death, Jesus destroyed sin. Through his death, Jesus destroyed the power of sin. And through his death, Jesus destroyed the sinful nature that wants to indulge in sexual immorality, impurity, hostility, lustful pleasures, so on and so on. So we see that we have the victory. We have the victory to Jesus' sacrificial death. We have the victory over sin, and we have the victory over this sinful nature. Okay? Everybody with me so far? Lose anybody? No. Remember that Paul said it's the answer is Jesus. The answer is Jesus where power loses its sin. The answer is Jesus where the sinful nature is destroyed and the works of it is destroyed. Besides Jesus and his cross and his sacrificial death, what else did God use? Amen. Yes. We were born with that old nature. We were born with that sinful nature. We were born with those evil desires. But we were born again by the Spirit of God. Amen. And if we follow the Spirit of God, the Bible says that we will live. We have a new nature, and that nature is God, the Holy Spirit, living inside of us. How did he come inside of us? He came inside of us when we heard the good news that Jesus died for our sins, that he was buried and that he rose, rose again. And when we believe the good news, the gospel, the Holy Spirit who was with us, who gave us the faith to believe, and the Holy Spirit who was with us, who brought us to Jesus and gave us the faith to believe Jesus, when we placed our faith in Jesus, he came into us. Amen. We were born with that old nature. We were compulsive sinners, addicts to every evil and sinful desire. But when the Holy, when we placed our faith in Jesus, we received the new nature of God. And that nature trumps and is superior to the old nature. When you were living according to sin and the desires of that old nature, nothing could break it. Nothing could stop it. 
The only thing that could was Jesus. And when you believed in him, he replaced, he gave you a new nature. He gave you a new start. He gave you a new beginning. He gave you a new life. He made all things new. Amen. And sin has lost its power. The old sinful nature has lost its power. The desires, every evil desire has crumbled under the cross and the blood and the person of the Holy Spirit. And sin no longer reigns in us. Sin no longer is our master and we're no longer its slave. But instead, we belong to Jesus and we are slaves of righteousness. And now we yield our body and our members unto holiness. Amen. And now instead of producing a whole harvest of evil deeds, we now produce a whole harvest of good deeds. Hallelujah. Amen. I want you to recognize that. I want you to know that. I want you to get that down deep in your spirit. Because when the old man tries to come back again, when the old nature tries to rear its head again, you must confront it with the word of God. You must confront it with truth. You must confront it with the sword of the Holy Spirit. So when the Holy Spirit comes into us and lives in us, these are the deeds. These are the things that he produced in our life. He produces love. He produces joy. He produces peace. He produces patience. He produces kindness. He produces goodness. He produces faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Amen. That's his nature living in us. He dominates the old nature. Amen. The old nature has no power. Why? Because the Holy Spirit now lives in us. And sin no longer has power over us. Amen. Amen. Because what is happening now is this. We're living in the Spirit. We're walking in the Spirit. We're being led by the Spirit. Amen. Everything that we know about God, everything we know about Jesus, we know by the Spirit. This life that we have, this blessed life that we have, this presence of God that we have, this anointing that we have, is because now the indwelling presence and power the Holy Spirit that lives in us. So we're no longer dominated by sin. We're no longer dominated by lustful pleasures and desires and evil works. But instead, we're dominated by love and joy and peace and righteousness and holiness. Amen. The kingdom of God now lives in us. Greater than the kingdom of Satan. Greater than the kingdom of darkness. Greater than the kingdom of, of this world. Amen. The kingdom of God is righteousness, it's peace, and it's joy in the Holy Ghost. That's the kingdom that dominates our life. That's the kingdom that rules our life. That's the kingdom that dictates how we live, what we speak, and what we do. Hallelujah. Amen. 
the kingdom of God. It's a kingdom of light. Hallelujah. It's a kingdom of righteousness. And the Bible says something. It says that against such, there is no law. Well, I just explained to you about what the Bible says about there is no law. Because as I explained, from the law comes the knowledge of sin. Under the law is power for the human nature to exist and thrive and to place you in bondage and in slavery. So God, in all of his wisdom and in all of his glory, he took away that law for righteousness, which was the law and the commandments of Moses, Jesus, and he nailed it to the cross, that the law should not be our way to God for righteousness, but that our way to God for righteousness would be Jesus and the power to live an abundant life and a power to rule and reign over death and over sin and over the grave is the power of the Holy Spirit that we receive through faith in Jesus Christ. Amen. I get excited when I know that he who created the universe lives in me. He who had split the Red Sea lives in me. He who bought a people that were in slavery for 430 years lives in me. He who is all righteous and holy and just and pure lives in me. And he's given me his nature. I cannot live a defeated life anymore. I know too much. I know what the blood of Jesus has done for me. I know what the cross has done for me. And I know the result of the blood and the cross is for, for one purpose. And it's for me to be free from sin and the slavery of sin. And to have God's indwelling Holy Spirit to destroy this sinful nature. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. So faith in Jesus through grace produces this new nature, a Holy Spirit in us. And that new nature is superior to the sinful nature. In fact, Galatians 5.16 says something about this glorious God, the Holy Spirit that lives inside of us. It says that if we walk or have our manner of life by being led by the Holy Spirit, we would not be dominated by the sinful nature and produce a harvest of sinful deeds. If we are led, if we are led by the Holy Spirit. You know, when I look at that word led, what I see God talking about is relationship. Why? Because when Jesus was on the earth with his apostles, who was leading the apostles? Jesus. 
So if he was leading the apostles, he had fellowship with them. He had communion with them. He had, he had intimacy with them. So when we speak about being led by the Holy Spirit, we're talking about intimacy. We're talking about fellowship. We're talking about deep calling out to deep. We're talking about a relationship and a fellowship that sometimes you cannot even speak or talk because he consumes you with so much of his presence and brings so much of his love that your words turns into tears. And all you can do is say, I love you, Lord. Being led by the Spirit is to have intimacy with the Holy Spirit. What time do I have to? 11.30? 11.15? It's to have intimacy with him. Intimacy with him. You see, when Jesus was on earth, the apostles had intimacy. They had fellowship. They had communion with Jesus. But when Jesus left... They had to go to the Holy Spirit. They picked up right where Jesus left off. They started talking with him. They started walking with him. They started worshiping him. He led them to all different parts of the world to preach and to teach. They anoint, he anointed them just like he anointed Jesus. They did marvelous things. Because he did exactly what Jesus said he would do. That he would come, not leave them comfortless, but he, that he would come. That he would teach us. He would give us wisdom, knowledge, and understanding. He would teach us all things, and that we would have fellowship with him. I know I'm guilty of this. After I got saved, I didn't know about these things. I didn't know about sowing to the Spirit or walking in the Spirit, living in the Spirit, being led by the Spirit. I thought I was saved, and I had a, I had a, I had a miraculous conversion, and that's all. That's a whole other story. I was genuinely saved, born again. And sometimes I like to make excuses and say, "Well, you know, I didn't have a good mentor," but that's a lie. The best mentor and teacher that you can ever have is the Holy Spirit. 
one of the reasons that he was given to us, the Bible says, is that we might know what is freely given to us. That we might know what has freely given to us. Without the Holy Spirit, you would not know one ounce of truth. Nor will you experience any love of God, any grace from Jesus, and any presence and power from the Holy Spirit. That's how important he is. And that's how important he is to subdue, mortify, cut off, make dead the sinful nature and its desires. Because Paul says in Romans 8.13, it says if you live through the Holy Spirit, if you live your life in and through the Holy Spirit and abide in Him, the Holy Spirit will do this. He will mortify. He will make dead. He will cut off the sinful nature and the harvest of its sinful deeds and desires. Now I wonder, 30 years after I was born again, backslidden, overcome by sexual immorality, I could have spared myself a whole bunch of headaches and troubles if I had just learned to yield to the Holy Spirit. If I had just learned to walk with Him and go to Him in all of things that pertain to life and godliness. If I had just humbled myself, make Him the Lord of my life. If I just talked to Him every day. If I just prayed and helped and asked Him to help me to pray. If I, just, if I could just hang with Him. If I just did that, he would have given me the desire for God's word. He would have given me the desire for the new life and the righteousness that is Jesus. Because he's that nature inside of me. But because I didn't, I figured, wow, man, I got saved. Oh, yeah, that was all good. I had a wild experience. Man, you got you to you hear my testimony how I got saved. I mean, I actually saw Jesus. Oh, I saw an angel. But it was, it, was a, it was a supernatural encounter when I got saved. The reason I say it might have been Jesus or an angel because I was so too scared to look outside of that door. Because what passed before that door was something so white, something so bright that this world never seen. And it was floating in the air. This garment was just floating in the air. And I was too scared to go. But through all of that, I lived a defeated life. Through all of that, I became a slave to sin again. So it's not that Jesus didn't save me. It's not because Jesus didn't forgive my sins and wash away my sins. It was because I didn't subdue, mortify, and cut off that sinful nature and continue to make it dead. But instead, 
had watered it. Never saw in Kauai, you know, especially on the, on the west side, when, the, when, when we go through that dry summer heat, everything dies. But the moment one drop of water goes on it, it comes back to life. See, the Bible says, to whoever you, to whoever you, to whatever you serve, it becomes your master. If you, if you don't, if, if, if you don't draw near to the Holy Spirit every day, if you don't walk with him every day, if there's no communion and fellowship with him every day, eventually you go back to the old things. You go back to the old neighborhood. You go back to the old lifestyle. Pretty soon you know you don't come to church. Next thing you know, you stop talking about Jesus. Next thing you know, your prayer life is like at a minimum. Next thing you know, you're a slave to that sinful nature again. So yes, through Jesus' death, he destroyed sin and the power of sin. And by the Holy Spirit, that sinful nature is mortified, cut off, and made dead. But if you don't continue to walk with the Holy Spirit, you're going to see that again. And it's so, is, it's so easy to happen again, just like a drop of water on a dry ground. The moment you stop, you neglect the word. The moment you neglect fellowship with the Holy Spirit. The moment, and and then, then your prayer life starts to go downhill. And next thing you know, boom, boom. You're struggling. That's the struggle. That's the struggle between the two, the two natures. So we got to make up our mind, yeah? What nature do we want dominating us? How do we want to live? If, if you don't want the Holy Spirit to dominate your life, if you don't want His nature to rule over sin and the nature of sin in your life, then don't fellowship with Him. Don't read your Bible. Don't talk to Him. And it's going to happen. But if you do fellowship with Him, you do talk to him, you do pray, those things will remain dead and cut off. Amen. And I'm talking about every single sin. I'm not only talking about sexual immorality. Every sin that the Bible describes here and even more. Jesus has conquered. The Holy Spirit has destroyed it's our choice to walk now. It's our choice to choose now. And we can do it through fellowship with the Holy Spirit. I know it's off on the subject, but I also got to tell you this. The Holy Spirit is a person. Might shock you. But the Bible attribute certain characteristics to him, which makes him a person. The Bible says that he speaks. The Bible says that he teaches. The Bible says that he fellowships with us. The Bible says that he loves us. Those are all characteristics of a person. What you see right here, Ben, that's not the real person. All you see is a shell. 
the real me lives inside of me. And you got to know me by fellowship and communion with me, or else you don't know me. All you know is my shell. That's the same thing with the Holy Spirit. He doesn't need a body for you, for him to be a person. Because he has every attribute and characteristic of being a person. Amen. And I got to tell you something too. The Bible says that he's God. When Ananias and Sapphira lied, Peter said that they didn't lie. They didn't lie to man, but they lied to the Holy Spirit. They lied to God. He's God. And I have to let you know that. Because I cannot tell you to have fellowship with something that is nothing, with something that is not a person. I'm talking to you about a person this morning. And I'm talking about something about a person who can cut off, mortify, and destroy and make dead this sinful nature and keep it dead once and for all. So now that I've laid that foundation, I want to give you my testimony. It all started back when, like I said, I got saved and everything. But because lack of fellowship, lack of fellowship caused cause, uh, uh, lack of desire for the word, lack of desire for the word produced a prayerless life, and on and on, and the next thing you know, I'm running with the pack again, and I'm doing all these crazy things. And at first, I figure, wow, that's the way it's supposed to be, you know? You do these things, you go to church on Sunday, and everything will be cool and all right and everything. But I found out that it don't work that way. Because what was fun for a season became my master. And it enslaved me, and it brought death to me, and I couldn't get out of it. The result of that is what I told you. I destroyed my life and many things around me. And so 30 years have gone by. I end up with this lovely lady back here, my wife, Michelle. We're not saved. <laughs> Shacking up together. Doing all the crazy things. Now that I look back on it, I see God saying, that's enough. That's enough. I'm bringing you out. That's enough. I'm going to bring freedom to your life. And he pursues me. He pursues me when I'm in the deepest part of my sin. He pursues me when I'm bound to every compulsive desire gratifying and satisfying every sexual and sinful desire you could probably satisfy. And I won't get into my sins. What I want to get into is how the Holy Spirit got me out of that hard road. So I'm with my wife and God Decided, decides to pursue me with his love and his grace and his goodness and his mercy. And I don't even know it. I don't even know it, man. I'm dirty. I'm down. And the next thing you know, something starts, something's funny start happening. 
just got this new job on the base. And as I go to work, I start feeling this sense of thankfulness. You know, self is like, yeah, I did it myself. But somehow this thankfulness started overwhelming my soul. And for many, many years, I never talked with God. And all of a sudden, I started finding myself saying, thank you, Lord. And that was the door that I opened. Once I set my affections on the Lord, rah, he came in like a mighty rushing wind. And the next thing you know, I'm driving to work another day. And I start to hear the Lord speaking to me. You got to know, people, your God is a supernatural God. So you're going to experience supernatural things. That, that's how his kingdom works. That's how it is. There's, you know, there's a lot of people that, that talks down about these experiences that we go through when we walk with God. But, hey, it's here to stay. It's real. And that's the way it is. That's the Bible's way. Read the Bible. So I go to work, and I start hearing God speak to me. But who's speaking to me? Jesus is in heaven. He's on the right side of God who's sitting on a throne. Who's speaking to me? You know who is speaking to me? The precious Holy Spirit that never left me, even when I was deep in my sin. Even when I was dirty and messed up. All those years, I dragged him all over the place. And he was waiting very patiently until the day that he could come and reveal himself to me. And he tells me. Kind of got a little bit too far, huh? And I don't say anything. And he tells me, all you got to do is repent. That, that turned the switch off in my, in my mind, in, in my head. I, I came mad. I said, I don't I didn't even know who I was talking to at that time, but I just answered back. And I, I said, Lord, I said, Lord, you've seen my whole life. For 30-something years, I've backslidden. For 30-something years, I've been in bondage, and I cannot do what is right. Everything I touch, I turn to mud. Every life I get involved in, I destroy. And you're telling me, just repent? Well, I didn't know what repentance was back then. And most, repentance, most people think that repentance is only saying, I'm sorry. But repentance comes... With a new mindset. It comes when you confront truth in the word of God. And your heart engages that truth and that love begins to turn you in a different direction. It begins to give you a different mindset. That's true repentance. And the result of true repentance is a changed life. It's a righteous life. It's a holy life in the spirit. But I tell the Lord like this. 
Okay. You're telling me to repent? I'll repent. Just like that. Real snotty. But I said, you know what, Lord? If I fail, it's not because of me. It's because of you. Because I'm telling you, I can't do it. What transpired next over the few weeks after that was amazing. He restored me that day in the car. I started to have this hunger and a desire to read my Bible again. The Holy Spirit began to move me, open my Bible, start to read. And that gave birth to a prayer life that I never had before. Begin praying and praying and praying. It's like I was, I was surrounded in this big bubble. And God's glory was all over me. And I couldn't shake it. I didn't want to shake it. So I tried everything. To keep from running from my girlfriend. Because I'm living with her now. So I go back home. And she starts seeing something different. Oh. You're reading the Bible. She sees me praying. And she gets freaked out. Because I begin to pray in the Holy Ghost. And she's wondering. What is happening to my boyfriend? Every night. I run from her. Every night, I push her away. And I don't tell her what's going on with me. Finally, she hits, she hits the wall. Boom. It all blows up. Who are you fooling around with? I know you got another lady in your life. You know what? Get out of my house. I said, Michelle, I haven't told you, but I don't have, I'm not, I'm not in another relationship. I'm not fooling around on you. It's Jesus. I said, I turned my life back over to him. He came back to me. He forgave me. And now what you see is the result of Jesus back in my life. And I, I don't want to lose him. I don't want to do anything to lose him. I don't want to lose that presence. I don't want to lose that love. I don't want to lose that fellowship. I've been without it for so long. I need it. Nah, you're fooling around. Storms out of the house. Half an hour. Storms out of the house. I'm like, okay, Lord. You know, if it's between her and you, I choose you. As much as I love her, I choose you. And I'm willing to end this relationship if it has to go along that lines. She comes back in the house. I look at her, and I see an angel standing before me. She's glowing, glowing, glowing white. Her face just glowing with the glory of God, emanating with, with, with light. And she comes, and she runs towards me, and she says, I understand. She hugs me. And then she told me, 
when she was out there, she told God, who are you to take away my boyfriend from me? I've been hurt many a times by many men. And somebody that I love right now, you take away from me. And something happened after that. Something that most people don't experience. She heard God speak in an audible voice to her. And God told her, I can love you like no man can love you. So to make the story short, you think we would get married, right? Well, we had a good mentor. This lady later came into our life, Pastor Hano Hano's mom. And she mentored us. And we started going to her church at Kapaa Assembly of God. And after she got to know us, and, and after we were there for a while, she brought me and Michelle together, and she told me and Michelle, you know, Michelle, now that you're, Michelle and Ben, now that you're Christians, um, you have to live your life and be an example, you know. And she knows, because we tell her, Mom, you know, we, we don't have no sexual relationships that is going on. She sleeps in the bed. I sleep on the couch. But Mama tells us, you know, and God knows, but the world don't know that. The people don't know that. If you claim to be a Christian, you have to live by example. And you have to make right choices. Because remember what I said about this old nature? You give it a little bit water, next thing, boom, that's it. So anyway, you would think we would get married after that, right? No. Why? Because my wife didn't want to go to the big island. I got I to gotta really speed this up real quick. My wife didn't want to go to the big island, so I ended up going. And when I, the reason what caused me to go there was exactly what made Jesus go into the wilderness. I was forced by the Holy Spirit to go there. I couldn't tell her that at that time because I didn't know what was going on inside of me. But I was forced. And so as much as I loved her, I put our relationship on the line put it on hold, not knowing if I would ever get back to her. And I went there. And the reason I went there is because I don't know why, but when I went there, I saw that what I needed was what my dad had. And what my dad had was a relationship with the Holy Spirit. And I got to see it model right before my eyes with supernatural manifestations of the Holy Spirit. Okay, let's bring it up a little bit more farther. So I get there. We finally get married. She decides, okay, let's get married. She's moving over to the big island. She comes to the big island. And uh, to make things short, the fellowship intensified. The fellowship, the walk intensified. The leading of the Holy Spirit began to intensify in my life. And now I couldn't even walk around my house. If I say, oh, I'm going to the bathroom. Before I reached the bathroom, I was on the floor in the presence of God. And how, that's how it was. Every day, some days I was all day in the presence of God. 
all day praying, all day in his glory. And it was like that, a continual thing going on like that all the time. And the next thing I started noticing, no sexual inclinations, no sexual immorality, nothing. No immoral sexual desires. It all left. It all left. And what I had now was life and life abundantly. What I had now was freedom. What I had now was pure joy and delight. Fellowship with God the Holy Spirit. Him teaching me the scriptures. Teaching me about Jesus. Leading me and directing me concerning my family and our affairs. Then something happened. One morning I'm brushing my teeth. And he speaks again. And I hear him. And he tells me, you have a spirit. You have a demonic spirit. And I'm washing, I'm brushing my teeth like I never heard him. Rinse my mouth, don't tell anybody nothing, head off to work. I go to work halfway between, between my work, halfway down to my work. He speaks to me again and he tells me, you have a spirit. I don't listen to him, I keep driving. I end up at work that day and it was my tradition that instead of eating lunch, I would go under the jet bridge at the airport and I would fellowship with him. I would commune with him in the word, and just worship and praise him. And then he speaks again. You have a spirit. And I lose it. What do you mean I have a spirit? I'm experiencing the abundant life. You know, you, I'm so full of your presence. So full of your word now. How can this ever happen? The night before, he teaches me what I'm teaching you right now. The night before. And he tells me, you remember what I taught you the night before? Yes. How do you know that if I, how do you know that I am in you? I have your nature. Love, joy, peace, righteousness, goodness. How do you know if you have a spirit in you? How do you know if the old nature is still alive and operating? Lust, sexual immorality. But I thought I was all over with it. I thought it was all gone. What I learned later was that sin produced a demonic manifestation in my life. And for 30 years, I was bound by that spirit. But that day in the golf cart under the airport, I told the Lord, okay, you know, you're smarter than me. You know what's in me. So he tells me, and I'm sitting in the golf cart, sitting on the seat, and my, my legs is like straight on the dash in front. And he tells him, the Holy Spirit tells me, I want you to start 
singing everything about the blood of Jesus that you know. So I started to sing about the blood of Jesus. And then he tells me, now I want you to confess about all what the blood of Jesus has done for you. And I begin to confess the blood of Jesus, what it's done for me. No condemnation, righteousness, holiness, son. I begin to confess all of these things. As I started to confess all of these things, there was a ball in my stomach right here, about that round. And that ball started moving up in my abdomen, coming through my chest. And as it got into my chest, the Holy Spirit told me, now take authority over that spirit and command it to come out. And I started to take authority in Jesus' name over that spirit. And as I did, it was started to come out and it started hitting my vocal cords. When it hit my vocal cords, my whole body went straight as a board right across that seat and that golf cart. My hands were like that on both sides, and I was stiff like iron. And as that spirit started coming out of my throat, I started growling. It started growling. Full manifestations. And I'm here by myself now, and I'm like, what is going on? You know, that's enough to blow anybody's mind. I've never seen anything like that before. And as it started coming out, my face, I could feel my face contorting. And my, my, my chin, my, my face started to be like a dog's face. The snout started to come out like that. And I, I, as much as I could, I, I, I continue, continued using my authority over that spirit, even though I was growling and everything and my face was contorting. And the next thing you know, I was set free. I was set free. But you see, I didn't know what was inside of me. That's why the Holy Spirit drove me to the big island. Because I didn't even know it. But when I got there, I, I knew that my dad had now a deliverance ministry. And I didn't know anything about that. But he brought me there. Because he had to teach me how to walk with him. And commune with him. Fellowship with him. Learn to hear his voice. Learn how to sit when I need to sit. Learn when to stand when I need to stand. Learn to walk when I needed to walk. And that's why I had to go there. But I'm telling you today, no matter what the bondage is, no matter what the struggle is, we have the Holy Spirit. We can go to Him. And when we fellowship Him and commune with Him, He'll make dead all those sinful desires and that sinful nature. He'll bring about your deliverance if you need to be delivered. And if not, he'll change your life into the image of Christ. God bless you.